hello and welcome to this episode, the fourth episode of Queer Pierce Chat. My name is Emmy and we are missing Anthony today, but he had some other things to attend to. You know, finals week is just around the corner, dead week is next week, so you know we all have things going on. So just me today. I might have some guests later on, but today we're talking about queer representation on TV, kind of how it's changed over time and what's going on now, especially internationally, around the world, exactly how queer representation is like being portrayed on TV and media around the world. This is specifically American-centric for this history, but back when TV was in its infancy, people were like, okay, we need to kind of limit what people are seeing, you know? So they put into law the Hayes Codes, And these were a set of rules that TV needed to adhere by to be considered, you know, respectable programming and things like that. So amongst these codes were codes against anything that had to do with taboo subjects. So this included any TV show including homosexuality, anything that portrayed homosexuality was viewed as immoral and breaking these Hays codes. So you didn't really see any queer characters until those codes were taken out of TV around 1968. So only then did we start seeing queer characters on TV, and even then it took a few years for us to get our first gay character, and that was a character called Steve in 1971. He was on a show, All in the Family. It was a traditional sitcom, you know, that were very popular back in those days, and he was only a fleeting character, wasn't recurring, he never appeared on the show again, but it was just the first instance of a gay character on TV. And then the first trans character was in 1977, And that was on a show called The Jeffersons, which is, you know, really popular. You still hear people talking about it today. And that was a character called Edie. And the storyline was about one of the Jeffersons, because, you know, it's about them, went to war. And one of his war buddies that came back was named Eddie, but they're now named Edie. And Edie never appeared back in the show again, but it was one of the first instances of having a trans character on TV. So, you know, the 70s were an age of a lot of feminist waves, a lot of a lot of the protesting for gay rights happened in the 70s, especially after Stonewall in 69. So that's kind of why we see this emergence of queer characters on TV. But nowadays, you might be wondering, what is it like for queer characters on TV? I mean, we've got to have more acceptance now, don't we? Well, that's not necessarily true. So every year, GLAAD puts out a state of TV report. Um, they've been doing this for quite a few years now, but with recent events, uh, they've kind of been gaining more popularity in how many people actually read them, use them in their reporting and everything like that. So from their findings from the 2017 TV season, so starting in June of 2016 all the way to 2017 of the next year, they found that out of 901 series regular on primetime TV, which is about 150 shows, they found that 58 characters were LGBT, that equals about 6.4%. So while that might seem really small, and it is, we definitely need more queer characters on TV, it's actually a big increase since even the previous year. Out of the TV characters that were regulars on primetime TV, there was only about 43 queer characters, and that equaled to about 4.7%. So that's a big increase even in that one year, which... You know, just because there's more characters, though, that doesn't mean things are getting any better for these the treatment of queer characters on TV. So it's really important to have queer characters in your programming because your programming might be reaching an audience that's not really exposed to topics like that. So 
some people are like, it's important to have queer representation, but is it perpetuating a stereotype? Like, modern family, a lot of middle America is seeing two gay men on TV, but they're just white, they're upper middle class, uh, verging on that upper class level, so it's kind of like they're still out of reach for a lot of the typical LGBT community. So even though, you know, this is like representation is what people have been wanting, it's not accurate. It doesn't represent the community as a whole. And already as straight white men, cisgendered men, they already have a privilege in society. So it's kind of like people want representation that actually represents them. So when they were looking through the breakdown of queer characters on TV, they found on primetime shows it was mostly gay men. That was mostly the demographic that were being portrayed. But then as we move into streaming services, they actually noticed that lesbian characters and bisexual characters were more prevalent. But just, you know, showing that gay characters aren't the focal point in streaming television kind of shows what audiences are watching what, especially internationally. You know, those shows can be accessible. Like what we can see here in the United States might not be shown in the UK, but, you know, Netflix has international different streaming services, so we're kind of seeing similar things. So we're both sharing our ideas about how we feel about certain topics, and that just kind of shows the spread of what we as society kind of internationally are considering to be topics that we want to see and shows we want to actually watch and pay attention to. I just was thinking about it, like, if you look on Netflix, if you look on Hulu, like, a ton of the queer content is international. Very few of it is American, I would say. A lot of it is, like, foreign, so it's just kind of, like, what values do we consider more important over here in America to get viewership, to get any sort of success that they value over internationally. So a lot of, like, foreign films can have more queer characters or, you know, things like that, especially in Canada. Canada's actually leading the charge in queer representation, and not just on, like, tiny indie series. Like, some major broadcasting companies in Canada have queer characters. So, I mean, it shouldn't come as much of a surprise, because I, as we talked about with the marriage equality fight, they were one of the first, a lot of their provinces were some of the first to you know, actually approve and allow gay marriage, so they've been on the forefront for gay rights for years, but, you know, it's just in their representation on TV, they seem to be a lot more forward, especially showing much more marginalized communities. Uh, so, like, some of the bigger shows, like, especially in the queer female community, at least, um, as I like to say, like, the WLW, woman-loving woman community, they have a lot of shows up in Canada that are actually, you know, being preferred to than American content, like Winona Earp is a really successful show um, in the queer community, and that's a Canadian show. And so it's kind of like, what's Canada got going on? And so the values they consider compared to what we consider here in America. So I'm going to hopefully get some friends in here, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Welcome, everybody. I would just like to introduce my two new guests. Hi, I'm Zoe. That's Zoe. Hi, I'm Calvin. So I just brought them here to have a little conversation about how we feel about LGBT representation on TV, especially um, in regards to the fun little thing called the barrier gaze trope. Trash. Yeah. 
So, just a little background for you on yes. the Barrier Gaze show. <laughs> it is a fan-dubbed online term about the frequent killing of queer characters on TV, um, but it happens so much so to queer female characters that there's a sub-name for it called the Dead Lesbian Syndrome. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Since 1976, when the first queer female character was ever put on screen, that was not purely subtext. Um, she was like, I wonder what that difference is. She was interested in women, and one of the characters on the show she was like kind of pursuing and she died by being hit by a car in the middle of the street because oh. she was being a predatory lesbian because the other girl wasn't interested in her anymore and she wouldn't take that no for an answer. So she was chasing after her and then got hit by a car. Wow. So other than it just being killing a lesbian, they also uh, made her a predatory lesbian. So, yeah, that's trash. Um, that's ever since then, it has been 195 queer deaths, female queer deaths, on TV. And that's even unaccounting for all the, like, gay men, bisexual men, mm-hmm. trans characters. That's, like, excluding all of them. That's purely just queer women. So it's just, like, I mentioned earlier that 6.8% of characters on TV are queer, which is an increase from last year. That's, like, a that's like a 2.1% increase. Ooh, that's a, I know, we're doing great right there. Getting there. <laughs> getting there. But, like... Even though we've had that increase, some people might think that's, like, good and we're doing better. And, like, sure, we have more characters, but they're not being treated well. (laughs) They're still being killed. And so, like, people like to say that 2016 was, like, the bloodiest year on record for queer women. Because, like, 27 queer women died alone in 2016 Mm. in that season. So, it's just... um, It's not the greatest. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, a little rough. (laughs) A little rough. Uh, yeah, um, I never really acknowledged the barrier gaze. Like, I didn't know this was, like, a trope, but, like, now that I know, like, the definition of the term and that I've heard it, I, like, I'm starting to, like, realize, like, oh, man, there are, like, a bunch of LGBT yeah. characters we that I've watched a lot. who have gotten <laughs> killed, and it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? I, uh, I completely agree with that statement. I think that even, like, the ones that aren't killed off, they're just, like, clickbait like they just make them look so stereotypical Mm -hmm. in every single way and so they just stay like that the entire time so they're not accurately representing what a gay person really is yeah which like isn't like a stereotype it's just like any type of person can be gay yeah but like they're like not being killed off but they're still like not being displayed as a a person person. yeah yeah that's also the problem like even besides just like like killing of queer characters is like especially with like bisexual representation they're showed as being very promiscuous mm-hmm. like i love sarah lance from tomorrow <laughs> i love her uh-huh, she's my, this, my yeah. bisexual goddess queen <laughs> um and she can punch me any time or day and i will say thank you thank but you, she's still very like she's very much shown as being promiscuous and like sure like it could be just part of her character mm-hmm. but then also <clears throat> none of the other characters are really promiscuous yeah mm-hmm. except for another bi character so it's just kind of like mm-hmm. cool you have a bisexual character who's like large and in charge and is like a main character on this show that's like especially for younger audiences but she's still shown in stereotypical views of like bisexual people mm-hmm. yeah so even if we're not killing our gays we're kind of screwing over <laughs> to me it kind of felt like i would watch like promiscuous characters and then they would usually end up like being bisexual and that was like later on kind of like announced so it's kind of like 
it's like this this thing that always happens where it's like if a carriage is promiscuous they're probably like oh we're so promiscuous that gender and sex doesn't matter to us and it's Mm -hmm. like that's not necessarily like you can still be promiscuous and like have your preferences and you can also be bisexual and not be promiscuous Mm -hmm. how often you have sex has nothing to do with who you want to have sex yeah exactly so it's just kind of like got some problems with that yeah Mm -hmm. and like even in like movies like like in sisters that movie with amy poehler and tina fey like it was it was a good movie but they were like we're inviting the lesbians over oh, yeah, and they come was... over like with softball players and like but... cut off jean shorts with like flannel that were cut off and i was like wow i, I didn't mean... all the stereotypes in there <laughs> i was like and it was kate mckinnon so like <laughs> i mean technically we can say it was fine because it was a queer woman kind of doing it but but it was still kind of like so this is how we're gonna portray a bunch of lesbians to maybe people who wouldn't watch things like wouldn't Mm -hmm. actively seek that Mm -hmm. or aren't like constantly consuming like queer media or at least a representation of queer people in media yeah and they're seeing this highly stereotyped version of like they love to play softball (laughs) and they loved flannel and cut off shorts which i mean is it wrong <laughs> but like, <laughs> wrong but it's not all that it's we are not about. it's not what every single lesbian is like what are what are some recommendations you have for the people any queer queer media great movie came out uh, i think it was in 2016 moonlight cheers to that if you haven't seen moonlight oh my god mm. What an incredible piece of film. You don't even have to You need to see it. Like as soon as possible. You don't even have to be queer. You don't have to be POC. You don't have to be anything. What made it so good? I just It's like it's like the fact that it was about it was it was like shown three major points of this man's life. And it's just like so off it's like so rare that you get to see a black man show vulnerability on camera. And this was like a film that was about his life and like it showed how he was strong, but also that there are moments where, like, you you can't be strong all the time, mm-hmm. and that he does have a few weaknesses, and that he does fall in love because he's human. And it's like it was just like so good, and then and then his 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 sexuality isn't even like a thing that's like a big part of this movie, but it's something that is about him, and yeah. it gets represented really well. Like wow. it's featured, but it's not like this is about a gay man. Exactly, it's about his gay struggle. It's like this is about a black man who has a lot of different facets to himself mm-hmm. and we're gonna try to explore and all of those. of those and gay exactly. is just one of those and i think th- i think this film did like an excellent job representing a person yeah. who just also happens to be gay which is like how it is i think a big problem with that uh when people want to portray gay people on um a show they immediately put them into a sex scene or something like that just yeah, to show oh, yeah. oh they're gay mm-hmm. but i think that Maybe not even worry about that at first. Worry about the character development yeah. and then show it later on in the uh, show as a small portion of who they are, not just, like, we want to show that they're gay immediately so that we can yeah. show that, okay, this is about a gay person. Yeah, like, that's how Lexa was portrayed. As Lexa came on screen as a very, like, strategic and smart leader of, like, a whole group of people, and that was who she was. And then it was a vulnerable moment where she was talking to who her love interest would eventually be. And she was, like, telling her about her first love. And it just so happens that that was a woman. She didn't even say anything about, like, getting it on, anything Mm. about that. She was just talking about, like, the pain that losing that caused. Mm. And then it, like, wasn't really brought up ever again until, like, they kissed. And, like, that kind of progressed in a different way. Mm -hmm. But they Mm -hmm. never were like, let's have Lexa have sex with Clark so that way we know that they're queer. And that's it. It was like, this didn't come out, like, Lexa's past didn't come out. For quite a few episodes and showed them building a relationship first. And I think that's like really good queer storytelling is if you can just like give people a story 
and then be like, oh, by the way, queers, but then also have it, like, represented mm-hmm. somehow. And, like, if you can explicitly say it, that's far more powerful than showing it. Because, like, then you take the, like, taboo away from the word. Mm-hmm. Like, someone calling themselves a lesbian is very uncommon on TV, or even bisexual. Like, yeah. Sarah Lance, I don't think, has once said that she's bisexual on that show. She's just shown it. Yeah. That is an interesting and point. And so, it's yeah, like, they don't want to put that word out there, because then it's like, might alienate. So, it's just a, it's a weird space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a, just a final question. Do you think that your, how you saw yourself through your coming out journey would have been different if you had had a character specifically for sexuality but even for you if you saw like a black female bisexual character on tv and then for you like a younger teen gay man if that would have helped you through like your coming out sexuality discovery journeys i definitely think it would have helped me um just because uh watching it and i i thought that in order to be bisexual i had to be promiscuous and so I guess I, I honestly think that by watching that on TV, it like changed who I grew up to become because I was under the impression like I know I like girls and I know I kind of like guys too still, but like bisexuals are always portrayed as promiscuous. So I guess that means I have to be a hoe. So <laughs> and like I, 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 I genuinely went through high school acting yeah. like like that kind of behavior when like I wouldn't necessarily say that's who I am but like it's not like I'm against it but I definitely think I was influenced by what I saw on TV and if I had like just seen like a black female character who was bisexual and you know not sleeping around often I probably would have been like I don't have to do this I guess (laughs) for me I was actually really terrified of coming out mostly because of the fact that like I was scared of the negative consequences that come from people like that making fun of you, mm-hmm. people who were uh, like beat other people up just because they were gay and coming out that way. And so I was really ter- terrified of it. And I was actually angry at myself before I actually like, like accepted myself for that. And I think that if I were to ever see a, a character that uh, kind of had the same qualities as me, uh, white, uh, younger, and gay, they most likely would have been given like the portraying the fact that like they came out and then people started like making fun of them and beating them up or something like that or bullying them and then he would have had like in the end like he accepted himself anyways no matter what and i think that i still like that would have just made me more scared because i'm i was very scared of that whole factor of uh, like getting beat up or bullied and things like that and so like i think that would have hindered me more in that fact but i think that since i didn't have any more of those portrayals of people getting bullied I think mm-hmm. that I was finally able to, like, all right, I have to push through this. I have to just accept myself because there's no way I can just sit here and be angry for, with myself the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So in that, I like, once I just accepted myself and, like, finally just sat down with my dad, I was like, hey, dad, I'm gay. Like, he was the first person I told. I think that it was, like, coming out of a cage I didn't realize I was in. Even though, like, I've been out for a while and been out to my mom for, like, a few years, we went to go see Love, Simon over spring break, and, like, mm-hmm. I don't cry. You all know this. I sold those yeah. emotions years ago. They're futile, <laughs> and it's pointless. <laughs> I remember I was there. <laughs> it's pointless to cry. <laughs> so, um, but in Love, Simon, there's just this one scene that is like... I still haven't seen it. Please don't yeah, it. It's just such a good scene. Like, yeah. you need to go see it, because it was just so good. And I was sitting there with my mom, and I was just like... And like, and it's, it's a scene with the mom. So, like, Aww. me sitting next to my mom, and the mom saying all this stuff. And I was just... And my mom has never once been like... Mm you're wrong that's bad yeah like when i told her and ran away to my room after i told her because it was nighttime so yeah. i like time for bed so i was like oh, <laughs> like, i like girls and she's like okay and i was like hey good night <laughs> and then the next morning she was like how you doing and i'm like i'm fine and she's like okay well i'm going to work and i was like okay <laughs> so like my Terrifying. mom was never once like 
bad about it at all. Mm-hmm. But still, like, this one moment, and I just knew that if I had seen that, like, younger, I probably would have come out to her sophomore year of high school yeah. rather than senior year almost graduating mm-hmm. year of high school. So I think, like, things in the media, like, representing who you are, even if it's not gay, if it's a POC character, if it's a disabled or differently abled mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. that can make a lot of impact. And I think that's what people hopefully are going to start realizing. Stop mm-hmm. killing us. Stop killing <laughs> Please. Us. Stop treating us like garbage. Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you. I appreciate Thanks for having being us. For, uh, long you guys life. did great. Thank you all for joining us on this queer peers journey. Who knows if we'll ever have more, or if these four episodes will be it. And I even doubt. though Anthony could not be here, um, I'm sure he wishes you farewell and good night and, yes, and a merry Christmas. And a merry, and a merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>